Welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with investors, influencers, and remarkable personalities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with our investors, partners, and remarkable personalities. This week, we have a special guest, meet Gary Onko Putera, the CEO and founder of Boom Esports, a top esports team in Southeast Asia. And uh, Boom has over 30 professional players and has a recently won a big, important tournament, the final gameplay in Dota 2 against uh, uh, Fanatics. Uh, uh, by the way, I, I used to be Dota player myself so this is very Great. near and near I, I know how hard it is uh so we'll talk about this today uh and according to the latest news uh, on july 16th we will uh, play their final match with uh talon right to secure their first place in dpc southeast mm-hmm. asia uh the third tour our uh, congratulations it's honestly an amazing achievement guys i mean we we're routing for you as our partners you know so uh today we're going to discuss you know, the evolution of gaming and um, how eager people are, you know, to to understand how, how esports are proliferating, like, you know, the entire crypto space as well, transitions. And before we start, I'd like to remind you, you know, as our community that you can write our questions right here in the live chat and our guests will answer them at the end of the discussion. So no matter if you're on YouTube live, LinkedIn live, if you're on uh, Twitter live, any life you are, you are in, please write uh, your questions. We're going to ask Gary at the end. Um, Gary, hi again. Sorry for the long intro, but just had to talk. No about worries. <laughs> no worries, Constantine. <laughs> yeah. So listen, we'll we go straight to the point, right? So in recent years, the video game industry has experienced an enormous shift in the economic value, given birth to like a lot of multi-billion multinational multi-dimensional businesses right so can from your standpoint as a person who founded successful esports team and now like a, a big business right can you tell can you tell us how you entered this fast-growing industry and you share a little bit more about your background yeah definitely um so you know uh if, if the, for those who don't know i mean i'm indonesian i was born in indonesia um <clears throat> and i guess you know quick background to the Video gaming industry, growing up, I've just always been, you know, really fond of uh, gaming, right? Whether that was Nintendo back in the days, um, you know, going to arcades before, you know, all these high PC, uh, high tech PCs, high tech mobiles kind of came along. Um, so, it's just, yeah, it's just always been a passion and a hobby of mine, right? Um, growing up in middle school and around high school, I actually uh, competed in 1.6, Counter-Strike 1.6 quite competitively. Uh, mm-hmm you know, locally in Indonesia. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is, what, 15 years ago, I think there was no uh, no career path yet at the time, right? Um, salaries were definitely uh, not as great as today. Uh, price pools for tournaments were also, you know, really, <clears throat> really small compared to today. Um, but yeah, it's something that I've just kind of always, you know, kind of was always interested in. Um, I, I continued my studies in the U.S., so I think um, I spent about eight years in the U.S. finishing my master's. So <clears throat> during those eight years, I think was when, you know, I kind of thought of esports as a viable career, right? Whether that was as a player or or as a as a team owner, um, I, I just remembered, you know, by the end um, of 2016, which was the year I left, in the U.S. Uh, tournaments were like starting, you know, they were starting to be millions of dollars. They were getting prime time TV on the weekend, like 7 p.m. on a Friday. Um, before an NBA game. So it was like, wow, you know, like it's starting to be really real. 
Um, whenever I go to malls in the U.S., people are wearing like esports jersey, like they're wearing football jerseys. You know, it's like, wow, these guys are actually pretty cool. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I came back, um, worked a bit for my parents, uh, but then I still had some connections for my playing days. So I kind of just started, you know, started Boom Esports as a side hobby, right? Mm -hmm. uh, picked up a Counter-Strike global offensive team at the time and a Dota 2 team. Um, and yeah, just kind of built from there. And then here we are, you know, kind of traveling here and there in the world, qualifying to a couple of big tournaments. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of the quick, 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 quick short intro. I appreciate it. And, you know, I used to play myself, so I, I totally understand your journey. Like back in the days, so I'm originally from Ukraine. So back in the days that we had like those... Uh, uh, esports clubs, you know, where you used to hide during the night, you know, I <laughs> can play. <laughs> it's like uh, that was uh, that was fun times, you know. Like, um, so uh, look, right now the world's first digital computer game, like Space War, you know, like, you know when it was released in '60s. Like, we, if you're getting it into back back in the days, where before we were even born. You know, it involved only two gamers playing against each other. Like, you know, with a one spaceship each, you know, it was very, like, I was very surprised to know that, the, you know, the first ever esports tournament was hosted, you know, like, uh, by Al Laboratory in Stanford University, actually. I don't know if you knew that, right? So five, 25 Stanford students were playing uh, the same game, Space War. Like, but, you know, obviously many things have changed from there. Uh, now we have, you know, massively played games, like, with thousands like maybe sometimes hundreds of thousands of people simultaneously so in your opinion like can you give us a little bit of uh you know overview of the current state of the gaming industry where do you where do you think is it is right now where do you think is uh, leading and if you can connect it a little bit to the crypto evolution it will be great yeah no definitely um so yeah i mean you touch on it right like uh gaming has grown uh so much in the last you know decade i guess 10 years right um, you see, back in the days we were playing console, it was all single player. If you wanted to play, you have to come over to your friend's house and all that stuff or our land cafe, whatever you name it. Um, and then now, you know, like you said, we, we're playing these PC games, some now even mobile games, right? You can play on your phone with like hundreds of thousands of people at, at one time. And, um, and it's really great, right? That's, that's what uh, advances in, in technology and internet um, allows us to achieve nowadays, right? Um, so, yeah, you know, just quickly touch on the gaming industry. There's obviously, you know, different segmentations, right? Um, even, I guess, back in the day, maybe publishing was like the only kind of lucrative thing. Now you see so many game publishers. Um, now there's esports, right? Now there's teams, players, all that stuff. Um, now there's tournament organizers. These are all different um, kind of verticals of the gaming online industry, right? Uh, uh, video gaming industry, sorry. <clears throat> and then, you know, I guess... You know, touching on your last part, <clears throat> the most exciting one, which is, you know, I guess going to be the, the norm, maybe five to 10 years from now, um, you see this kind of <clears throat> crazy growth of crypto, um, a couple of, you know, um, P2E or Web3 gaming, I guess, um, Axie Infinity, I guess is the most kind of uh, popularized one. Um, but I'm very sure that, uh, you know, with just with the current growth of, you know, game, quality of games, uh, quality of Web3 technological advances um i do think that in five to ten years um there will be a triple a game that's you know there will be a dota that's going to be web that's going to be maybe have a p2e you know mechanics to it and you know it's it's literally again it's just going to make it easier for people to make a career out of they love right which is which is gaming right um 
so yeah, I guess that's that's kind of a really quick yeah. overview of it. <laughs> yeah, we'll go deeper into it. So have uh, you know another question, which is continuation of the previous one. So how have you entered you know like in the gaming industry like professionally, right? So you know, what was your first like favorite video game? Like you know when did you actually realize that you know you can make enough money to make it as your not just a hobby but actually profession? Yeah, so. Um... Like I said, you know, I've always been a gamer, so it was always um, something of interest to me. And obviously seeing esports specifically grew just kind of, um, I knew at the time, like 2016, if I was American or if I was, you know, kind of living in the U.S. and was going to make a career in the U.S., it was already very, um, you know, achievable then, right? But then obviously I, I went back to Indonesia. Um, Southeast Asia is a bit of a less developed region, I guess, at, at the time, right, 2016, so... I knew that I had to start uh, kind of kind of small, right? There wasn't a lot of teams. There wasn't a lot of, um, you know, popular games here too, right? And even the taste of games are very different, right? Region to region, even now, even today, it's very different, right? Um, in Asia, we play a lot of mobile games. Um, it's something very foreign to a lot of the, you know, of our like Western viewers, I guess, you know, like what you play games on your mobile and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, I guess, you know, to put a concrete date on it, maybe 2018, just kind of two runs after uh, two years after running Boom, um, I just suddenly got busy, you know, it's like I suddenly got a lot of meetings for sponsorships, a lot of teams were like reaching out, do you want to pick us up? And that's kind of when when I was like, all right, you know what, maybe I should take a stab at it, right? Like, give it, you know, like my full focus, undivided attention. Uh, so that's kind of when, when, when I leap uh, full time to Boom. Let me ask you a quick question, which is more, more uh-huh. I think, very exciting. So... What was the biggest prize you've ever ever won? Like dollar, like in, in dollars, let's say. As an as an org? Yeah. Um, in terms of prize pool, I think it would be around 150 grand US dollars. Okay. Um, but we've made over like a million dollars uh, through um, in-game items. So, you know, sometimes like nowadays, uh, I guess it's NFTs, right? The OG <laughs> NFTs. Uh, when you um when you qualify to certain events or you play um in in certain tournaments, they make like um in-game merchandise that's like team uh colors, team flags, whatever it is. Um and a lot of our fans uh would would buy it and we get a a a, a share percentage of those revenue. Um so uh some went up to you know seven digits. So that would be like I guess the biggest uh, uh income we've we've gotten from uh, as an org, yeah to date hopefully there's bigger uh deals to be made <laughs> down the road but yeah yeah i see um, uh, that's that's like you know listen that's impressive like so in-game assets we can talk about it like a bit further right you know because in reality like you know how do you monetize let's say you have one million dollar worth of in-game assets right you know so a lot of people who are not like if it gamers will be interesting for them how do you even like sell them because you see the difference between like i understand the world of nfts at least like you have a like somehow <laughs> the promise of liquid market now how do you sell just a regular in-game item that's a different story yeah so um yeah i think because they make it so seasonal and kind of like season based like you know let's say there's a major uh, for example let's say the next major is coming up um you know m- maybe valve or dota 2 developers valve would would create some kind of like um, boom uh, official skin for a certain hero in the game that all of our choosing. And then a lot of the, you know, like, and then the masses uh, would then be interested in purchasing this, this hero or skin, right? 
uh, of our team colors or whatever that is. And then we, we get a share of that, um, of that revenue. Um, and then I guess, um, you know, in terms of kind of understanding NFTs or the value of in-game items, right? Uh, you can think of it, I guess, as, as just, you know, just literally just like NFTs, right? I mean, those who've dabbled into NFTs, uh, when we talk to, a, you know, like to a general uh, person, I guess, on the road and be like, hey, look, I just spent, you know, um, even if it's $100 on a picture, uh, they'll be like, I, I don't understand it, right? But, but, you know, the market is there and the demand is there um, and the user base of these games are there, right, at the end of the day. Um, CSGO skins uh, for those who play CSGO or you know kind of spend a lot of time in CSGO you know some of those skins can go up to you know 50, 50k for, for like an op skin you know and and everyone's like it's just a cosmetic but like you know when when there's a mark uh, when there's a demand there's a there's a market for it so is this a correct uh, uh, estimate that like the 50k per skin a person would play who who would buy it because they need like a certain recognition because inside like the game, in this ecosystem, in this community, this is respect. This is something like a medal of honor, like in, in this world. And uh, and that's, let's be honest, this is just cool because you're unique. You're exceptional, right? Is this a correct assumption? Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of it all, um, that is the correct assumption, right? Like it sounds crazy, but you know, these, these things are actually relatively liquid, right? I mean, um, you know, obviously if you want to get best price, it'll be, you know, you'll, you'll need time to find a buyer, but if you're willing to sell it like market price or, you know, slightly below market price, um, there are a lot of buyers or whales, I guess, in the gaming world that would, that would be interested in, you know, picking it up instantly. Right. And there's a lot of forums, there's a lot of markets that, you know, like third-party markets that that's actually like a legitimate business from just trading and selling, uh, in-game items. Right. Um, Actually, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty insane. I mean, you know, again, when, when, when you try to explain it to someone who doesn't play the game, it's hard, right? Like, why would I spend thousands of dollars on something that doesn't give me an advantage? It doesn't give you an edge in the game, right? Other than maybe you play and you always feel better playing because your guy looks really cool, you know? <laughs> like, you look really unique. No one really has, has that skin. But, um, um, yeah, there's definitely a market for it. Nice. Now that's that's good to know. So so we can do a, a segue to another like you know part of the conversation. So you, I'm sure you've you've heard that Microsoft recently, you know, acquired Activision Blizzard. Which you know, if you ever play StarCraft, guys, I and mean, this is like one of the iconic like companies that created this a lot of great games. And it has shown us that you know while it's still early days, the esports ship to to the metaverse and. Is now becoming a reality because that's what they announced. They basically announced that they're trying to then like all the assets of the company, they're trying to get to metaverse. I guess this is like now a competition, like Facebook is rebranded to Meta, like you know, and then many other companies like you know are trying to become meta metaverse friendly. So, what's your take on this? What do you think will happen with the evolution of esports and how will it interact with in metaverse? Yeah, um, I think just esports. Uh, as like the uh, start five years ago when I started, you know, Boom Esports, everyone's like, this guy went to the US, get a master's degree, and is making an esports team. Like, what even is an esports team, you know? And here we are, right? Like, oh, now it's very mainstream. Now everyone kind of knows about esports. Um, I feel, I honestly feel the same way about metaverse, right? 
um, as someone who's, you know, kind of, you know, I guess um, involved in the Web3 industry, you know, I kind of invest in crypto and, and all the above. Um, I think that, you know, it's something that's inevitable in five to 10 years, right? Um, and that's uh, mainly due to the, again, advancement of technology, like the rapid advancement of technology, right? Um, before maybe, you know, to get faster internet takes you like five years. Now, every year you're getting like, you know, from one gig to 10 gig speed, you know, it's just exponential um, growth, right? And you see the shift of working class, right? Um, you know, back when I was trying to, let's say, play professionally in high school, um, you know, my parents are very, you know, they're like, what, what you're, you're playing PC games, you're, you're trying to go all in, what is this, right? But then now, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to be parents, right? And if my kid ever goes to me and be like, you know, and it is really good, you're going to be realistic, right? Because not everyone's going to be able to be a pro. But if it was realistic, I'm, I would be more open to the idea, right? Um, and so the metaverse, I think it's something that you're seeing the shift of, you know, especially with the pandemic that just happened, right? Everyone's now just always on their device, right? This work from home for like two years. And now even traditional companies are now starting to realize that, look, we can be as productive without actually, you know, wasting time in transportation, traffic, and all the above, right? Um, and then if you look at kids nowadays, they're always glued to their iPads, phones, computers, whatever that is, right? So I think eventually, you know, in five to 10 years, metaverse is just something that's going to be, um, you know, commonly accepted. Um, and I think that it's, as a, from an esports point of view, I think it's really great because I can imagine, you know, uh, somewhere down, down the road, uh, as, you know, the advances happen, Imagine how cool would it be if you're watching an esports event, but like immersive, like you're actually in the map, but you're a viewer, you know, I'm trying to say like, that's so cool. Right. Um, and you can use, you know, your avatars or whatever that is. Um, or let's say teams start making their own metaverse or tournaments or, or the games, right? Like the games have their own metaverse and, you know, you, you can always go and visit, um, you know, the, the lore of the game that you love so much, um, you know, instantly. Right. And it's such, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be so great. Um, esport, if, if you enjoy watching esports now, like you should be excited for what, you know, the potential of like an esports metaverse, right. To happen. Um, so, yeah. Let's talk about the practicality of this. So you, mm -hmm. I mean, number one team in like in Indonesia, we can say so, mm -hmm. right. And in your league and your kind of, you know, the games you represent, I'm sure you're, you're, respected in the entire Southeast Asia, right? You know, and, you know, what do you think is going to happen practically in the metaverse? Let's say, what, first of all, when do you think you will uh, playing in the metaverse? How will it look? How will it change the gameplay? And maybe let's talk about the few things in practicality that, and you can even speculate a little bit because we don't know what's going to happen, obviously. I mean, technology is not up to par right now. It's not ready fully to, yeah. to handle, like, thousands of players simultaneously that's we know that for sure but still let's let's imagine it is there already right you know what do you think is going to happen yeah i think um you know definitely a lot of the esports teams would kind of uh well first of all i think a lot of all, a lot of the publishers that are relatively smart i guess you know not not to offend anyone uh would definitely start um investing into their own metaverse right Because at the end of the day, you know, these games, they're all of these titles, right? These different games, they have their own world and their own lore. They just kind of publish. Uh, I mean, but you can only experience it through the game, right? Because that's, you know, I guess kind of touching on what you said about the limits of 
what it is now. But then, you know, when specul- speculatively, I would assume that and have little plots in the in their metaverse, right? Where our fans could come and see us, maybe then see your team, maybe see GameSpad or whatnot. And then keep in mind that at the end of the day, nowadays, all these big publishers and all these big video games company, they got a couple of games from the same world, right? Um, kind of like interconnected. So that like, you know, we always have like fan theories and, you know, all, all the gamers are always into creating this kind of, oh, what what is the characters from, let's say, League of Legends have to do with Valorant because they're both Riot, right? But then once Riot, hopefully one day they'll make their own metaverse, then you can you can really see what the creators had in mind, right? For these different um, things, right? And like I said, I think the viewership experience would just be kind of unreal, right? I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But, you know, if right now I'm watching from player's A point of view, player's B point of view. How cool would it be if I was like just a bystander in the metaverse watching them? You know, it's like as if I'm there, but I'm not there, right? I think that would be like really cool. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's the way I see it. It might unite also a lot of people from all the world, like, you know, for example, people from exactly. Europe, Europe and, and like, you know, other like Latin America, Southeast Asia, right? Typically, they never like were together. Give you an example. We were playing where I remember that back in the days, like even like, right, you know, there are a lot of teams from uh, Korea, let's say, or from uh, also from from different like South Africa. I've never seen them in my life. I don't even know how a live person looks behind the avatar. We had a lot of chats together. And it was like funny, like cool, but like, and we never had actually like a transition to real world. What I would actually imagine a person behind this, right? So now it's changing, like you know, from the online cafe time, as you mentioned. So it's fun. But again, we are the, the goal of this talk show is also not us to talk because we can do it obviously <laughs> separately but also to talk for hours <laughs> exactly open up to the audience right so let's go from here to the questions from uh, from our live chats so we do a blitz and i'll just read your question and you throw sure. your answers so we have a first question from mccoon from uh youtube so he's asking, will Boom Esports enter the future GameSpad metaverse? I saw it, uh, it be mentioned on Boom Comics. Someone was very observant. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, um, can't give too much away, but um, obviously we are partners. Um, and as from this talk show, you guys can hear that um, us from Boom is very excited about the metaverse. So, um, you know, we would, we would, we would love to... Um, uh, join our partners metaverse of course that's the simple simple answer <laughs> to it in what form that's yeah. something that we gotta put some thought into but um yeah definitely <laughs> gary gary and i was becoming like a very good politician here now good i love it <laughs> so, uh, okay so Ferez from youtube is asking how does boom contribute to the gaming space and what are the biggest achievements to this date yeah so i think you know as an esports team we provide like um <clears throat> using directly like the platform Form for aspiring uh, gamers who really want to become and make a career out of it, right? Because um, you know the publisher, the game creator, they don't really get involved with kind of uh, you know scouting talents, uh, having the the events themselves, right? Like that's kind of up to us to to um, you know make a team, find the right talents, 
uh, and then try to create some magic there, right? Uh, a really great, uh, you know, world, world-class team. Um, I think our biggest achievement um, yeah, is probably this year, right? Uh, we went to the second major, uh, which was in Stockholm. And that was um, obviously we qualified to Arlington, Texas, but that, you know, what, what happened like last week. So we haven't, we're not there yet. Uh, so our biggest achievement would have been Stockholm. Um, and that was our first major um, as an org, uh, the only second Southeast Asian team to, to go to Stockholm. Um, I guess there, is, is it a coincidence that we partnered up with you guys when this happened? Probably not, huh? <laughs> we bring good luck, you know, to... to yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Um, so, by the way, I apologize. This was a question from Shan, right? You know, so the, uh, now the question from Fares is a bit different. Also from YouTube, uh, he's asking, what's the best piece of advice you ever received about gaming? And can you share it with us? Yeah, um, I think... The best piece of, of advice I got is that um, obviously at the end of the day, a lot of the user base or uh, gamers are casual gamers, right? Um, they're not professional. Um, if you are someone who's going to really, um, you know, I guess try to pursue a professional career, my advice would be, you know, if you do think you have the talent, you have to give it your all, right? Um, at the end of the day, these guys are like professional athletes, you know? Um, like for example, my Dota team, we have five players. Um, there's two teams from Southeast Asia to the major. That's 10 out of the whole of Southeast Asia. That is a major qualified player. You see, you see what I'm trying to say. Um, but I do believe that. So it's not, you know, and don't misconcept it with, um, you know, all I have to do is play games every day, but yeah, you, you know, you have to play a lot of games every day, but you also gotta, um, practice and, uh, take the game seriously per se, right? Like you gotta, you know, you don't just practice aimlessly. Like you have to practice with a, with a goal in mind, right? I want to get better at this character. I want to achieve certain things, goals and, and all that stuff. So, so that'd be my best advice, right? Like it, it can be really lucrative. It can be really, really lucrative. Um, but um, you do have to give it your best, right? Just like with anything you do in, 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 in this world. <laughs> exactly. That'd That's be the best piece of advice I got, yeah. It's a beautiful one and it pertains to anything in life, right? So which uh, there's another good question, which is a continuation of the previous, I think. Uh, Moxie from Twitter is asking, what is the main thing that makes a game success? And I think it would be good to maybe connect it to the context of if you were to pick like an, an, a new game that you would compete, right? You know, what do, would you consider would be a successful game that you as a professional team would actually start like developing your skills in? Yeah, uh, I think the, f- the first thing that, you know, we would kind of do our due diligence on is definitely like the user base, right? Is this game popular? Um, and then second, is it representative of the world? Because, um, you know, for us specifically in Boom, we try to be one of the best teams in the world. So we got to play games that are represented globally because um, there are some games that are, you know, very popular, but let's say in a region or in a country, but it's not really world per se right and when you say popular um, so, what's the threshold we're talking about like what's the minimum amount like million players yeah. i would i would say uh maybe over a million globally that'd be kind of like you know really popular um if we're looking at like just a re, uh, like a local or regional team maybe a game that's over like a hundred you know daily users would be kind of kind of okay again it, it it depends on like this the, the um how, how much investment we also want to put, right? Um, that's that's from our point of view um, of what a popular game is. Mm, yeah. 
Got it. Thank you. So uh, Nakamoto-san from YouTube. I don't know if it's the one, the Nakamoto. The real one. <laughs> <laughs> so what hardships Boom had to bear while coming up with the, uh, you know, the gaming space? And do you still struggle with them? Yeah, no, um, definitely. Um, maybe not, not as much as when I first started five years ago. Uh, five years ago um, in Indonesia or in Southeast Asia, internet was still like a you know, it's not as as maybe many of the viewers are experiencing it nowadays, right? Uh, internet, uh, good internet providers were still very hard to find uh, in terms of stability and all that stuff. Um, in terms of even like com computer components, like, of course, we had all that was necessary, but the price were also, you know, kind of, it, it was a retail, you know, price in the US or in Europe or you name it, right? Um, so there was a lot of startup costs um and i guess in the last two years um you know there's this um kind of this new gaming space which i kind of mentioned earlier about the the mobile gaming space right which which is really it's like it's sort of a new industry like yes it's esports but it's like you know very different revenue streams and whatnot and then the up-and-coming p2e and all that stuff so it's kind of like new industries that that we just gotta gotta do our due diligence in right and obviously make mistakes along the way to, to learn better and all that stuff. Cause you know, um, we are one of the bigger teams. Um, it's not like we can Google these things and, and, and get the answer, you know, let's say with the traditional industry. So um, that's, that's kind of, I think where, where a lot of the hardship comes from is that it's such a, you know, even though it's big, it's still relatively very young and new. So most of the time we just kind of really got a taste firsthand experience, um, whether it's good or bad. Right. And just kind of kind of deal with that. Got it. No, it's still totally understandable. Still growing market. So I think it will be the last question for today. And you know, so Yusuf from Twitter is asking. So hello, sir. Got a quick question. Who are some of your favorite game characters that you idolize in your youth? And are they still your heroes? Mm, I have to think a bit. Let's see. Favorite gaming characters. Um I think the one that always stood out to me in terms of kind of as, as a kid was Super Mario Bros. Just because that was like the game that, you know, I think that was like the first game that I really spent a lot of time on uh, and obviously spent a lot of time with my dad because, you know, it was it was obviously his console. He was the one trying to finish the game. And, um, you know, and I guess Luigi would have been my favorite because I don't know. I'm like one of those guys that, you know, try to not be mainstream. So I really liked like, you know, like, ah, everybody's going for the red guy. I'm going to be, I like the green guy, you know, trying to say, uh, so Luigi would have been like, I guess Luigi and Yoshi would have been like the, the standout, uh, in terms of like, for as long as I can remember, I've always liked this, those characters, right? Amazing. So I'm not going to ask if they're still your heroes because, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, I'm sure that changed, but yeah, listen, yeah. Uh, Gary, really appreciate your time and appreciate all your, you know, the knowledge that you've shared. We want to do it more and I want to do it again. Uh, for now, like we just, you know, really like appreciate that from on behalf of our community and please visit, you know, the, the website that we'll share the, the, you know, that, you know, Boom is our official partner. So, uh, their community now you can write you know like uh, all your questions so so not only like during the the episode we'll forward it obviously to to the guys you know like even after the show they will I'm sure they will comment it in their spare time 
Uh, so yeah, thank you everyone for joining you know, Games Hub today, Crypto Talk with our investors, partners, and remarkable personalities, just as Gary are. Uh, listen, uh, listen to us uh, every week at 3 p.m. UTC on YouTube Live uh, on every Thursday. And then we have, as you see, Twitter, LinkedIn, and other platforms. So we really appreciate your questions and please prepare more for the next time. And so far, just uh, watch some amazing games of uh, Boom. Like they're like out there publishing it on yeah. YouTube, vibrant communities in Discord and other social media. And we're going to keep on supporting them to become number one in the world, right? Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, GameSpot. I mean, it's, it's again, like I said, it's no coincidence we got to where we are this year um, after you guys came on board, right? Lucky charm. Yes. Thank you so much, Gary. And we Thank you so much, Nazaratin. Have a great day, everyone. Right, Stay safe. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Stay tuned with Games Hub, a crypto talk show by GamesPad.